I started creating characters when I was just a little kid. I had about 30 stuffed animals um, <laughs> and they all had names, voices, and personalities. My family can attest to this, I'm sure. I'm sure they're a little bit annoyed at times, but yeah, I just always found this fascination with being able to, I guess it would be an assumption, but assume how a person would react when given a certain situation, um, considering how they speak, what mannerisms they might have, what their beliefs are. And I've always just, I don't know, it just, I was born with that ability to do that with different characters. Um, I really liked acting in high school and things like that. Um, and of course I write books now where I'm creating characters and I'm having so much fun with it. But yeah, a time when being able to have a character really was really helpful was when I was teaching at the one room schoolhouse preschool. I had three three-year-old girls. They were all really cool and all really different. And they kind of all had a real strong head about them where if they didn't want to do it, they didn't want to do it. And so I went to the puppet tree one day, this tree of all these little hand puppets, and I picked off a mouse, a hand puppet mouse. I put it on my hand and I said, hey girls, I'm Mr. Mouse. What are we going to do next? And they all started laughing and this carried on actually I think to the la the rest of the school year that Mr. Mouse would sometimes just come out and tell them what was next and they would just <laughs> they would listen to Mr. Mouse it was like magic they wouldn't listen to me they wouldn't listen to the teacher but man Mr. Mouse comes out and it's just makes everything so fun and he was his own little person and sometimes they would ask for Mr. Mouse and so it was just really fun and uh, a really good a good example of when that character personification really paid off. Thank you. Welcome to A Fresh Air Inspired Life. I'm your host, Genevieve Hurley, and today's guest is usually the host. But she has a new book coming out in which I am one of the characters, so I'm interviewing her. 
<laughs> Strange, isn't it? Yet perfectly acceptable because, well, you see, this is an independently run podcast, so we can do whatever we want. <laughs> oh, today's guest has lived in Copper Harbor since 2005. She runs Copper Harbor Vitality, which, if you ask me, is quite a fascinating endeavor. Please welcome the creator of this podcast and me, Miss Amanda Wise. Hello, Amanda. Hi. Hi, Genevieve. Yes, thank you for allowing me to pick your brain. I run Hurley Insurance Agency, so questioning people for the hard truth is right up my alley. <laughs> now, Amanda, what fascinated you about Copper Harbor so much that made you want to create a business around it? It's pretty amazing here and people don't always know what to do. And I guess before they come here, I want them to know. Oh. So, uh, and I want them to know what it's like to live here, which is why I started my blog. Gosh, I started my first blog, um, A Little Slice of the Harbor. I, uh, 15, 16 years ago. Um, yeah, I just keep blogging and, and now I'm doing these podcasts and I just, I want people to know what it's like to live here because it's so unique. I've worked in the service industry for most of my time here in the harbor and people have so many questions and I just, I want them to know even before they come here, kind of what they're getting into or if they come here every year or three times a year, I want them to know a little bit more about what it's like to be here year-round because it is really a unique experience. Lovely. Briefly tell us what Kapahava Vitality entails, please. And I do mean brief. Sure. I mean, if you go to the website, it's got the podcast, which you can download all these episodes. Um, it has my blog of Raising My Little Boy, Brady P., on the shores of Copper Harbor, Michigan. It's called Downs by the Bay. Um, I do macro nature photography. So I take super close up pictures of like flowers and mostly flowers and frame them and kind of deck them out with some feathers or stones or driftwood. It's kind of a fun thing. So um, I sell my art videos destination-based and adventure and also of my cute little kid. I do offer writing services since I've been writing um, for a long time and I have my English major writing minor. Just wrote my fourth book. So I guess that's about it in a nutshell. Excellent. And you are going to read the first chapter of your new book for us during this interview, correct? Yeah, I, I plan on it. Good. Pity I'm not in that one. Well, it's the first chapters for everyone who got a garden plot. You did not get a garden plot, Vive. Yes, and I prefer to get my food from the grocery store. Thank you very much. Uh, being a host is a very interesting position to be in. Do you enjoy it? 
I, I do. I love being the host of this show. It's so fun. I get a really fun, like, surge of energy before every podcast. It's, it's really fun. I, I really like it a lot. Does it feel different when you are the guest? You know what? It kind of does because I'm more nervous right now, I think. Because, <laughs> um, yeah, I don't I don't have my script planned out. I'm just oh. saying whatever I feel like or whatever I think. It's, it's fun, though. It's And it's good for me to be in these shoes. Uh, I can be more empathetic towards my guests when they're nervous which pretty much they all are too but I try to keep it lighthearted and we have a fun time do you want to say anything else about running a podcast oh boy there's lots to say um I guess I'll try to be brief about it but I told my friend Mike who is one of the OG podcasters from when they started that I wanted to do a podcast and I was trying to get some info from him and he really pushed me to go in the direction of doing it all myself which thanks to all of his help I am now able to do for the most part even even some troubleshooting I'm getting there it's a lot um I didn't just get on a platform like most podcasters do I have a notebook full of guests I want to interview and I put a little different color code by each name to go with the season I want them to appear in and then each season I try to schedule all my guests and then as the time comes closer I schedule when we have our interview and then uh, write their outline out for which questions I want to ask them I really like that part it's fun and then we do the interview and then I go through and I edit out any long pauses and um, any time that maybe they swore <laughs> and they didn't mean to or they screwed up saying or, you know, just something happens. Brady P comes running through or something um, if he's here at the time. And then, yeah, edit it and upload it into the server that Mike helped me get, an actual server for this um, and then I go into the XML feed and change all the data in there to match what this podcast is about oh. and um, upload that so it downloads into the listener's podcast app. It's kind of crazy, kind of a magical thing to learn from the the underground way I guess but kind of fun I guess that's all I really need to say about running a podcast I really really enjoy it and I hope to have um a few years worth of these going so yeah okay back to the book what inspired you to write this one in particular well this is my fourth book that I've written and published um this one I was sitting in the community garden in town and just looking around and 
looking at all the different people who had plots there and thinking about we had cucumber beetles at the time cucumber beetles sounds dreadful they were terrible and they would go and they would just fornicate in the flowers and then the next day there'd be more and more and we had to put on the oh what was it diatomaceous earth something white and powdery and just just try to eradicate these little guys um they were just everywhere um but i i just kind of thought about the different people and the different roles they played in that particular situation and in the clearing of weeds and rocks and how different people would walk around the whole garden and check it out and some people just kind of stuck to their plot um I just thought what if I picked a whole bunch of different kinds of people to have a spot in the community garden and then they met each other as they gardened and I definitely wanted to have some conflicts in there to see what they would do. Um, I mean, it was really, really cool because after I created these characters, go on. I mean, they just came to life and I put them in a scene just like Mr. Mouse. I put them in a scene and they just did what they would do. Um, there were times writing this book that I would try to make them do something, but I couldn't write it. I just couldn't. It wouldn't work. So I'm like, all right, well, we're not going to do that. Or right before I published it, uh, send it to the printer, kind of at the end, there was something I wanted to take out. But I couldn't. I just couldn't delete it. I'm like, I don't know. I guess I can't really. Maybe I should just leave it in there. And now I realized for when the second book comes out that I know why I needed to keep it in there. And so it's really interesting because once I created the characters, they really wrote the book. They just needed my fingers to type their words and actions. And uh, I really look forward to doing more of that. Oh my, fascinating. Why are you so moved to make this a series? Well... I couldn't say everything I wanted to say in this first book. It would have been too long, would have been too jumbly. There's already, what, 10 main characters that you meet. How many you meet? Nine of them right away in the first chapter. And so I didn't want to confuse people too much. I didn't want to put too much in there. But there's still so much more to say. This book is about human struggles oh. and how we all have them. Yes. And how we're all different, yet all the same. And I just, I think I just want to keep writing about more and more of them until I get tired of it or I feel like the book ended. But I don't know. I don't, I don't know. It'll be really interesting to see how that actually happened. Excellent. Would you please read the first chapter for us? Oh my goodness, yeah. Um, so yeah, here's chapter one of the novel, In the Dirt, a novel about being human. That's a title. I don't know if we, <laughs> I don't know if we said that yet. Um, and chapter one is called The Sign. 
The sun broke through the clouds, showcasing a sunrise for the town of Airden. It was the first day of spring, and the last patch of snow had just melted. A young man appeared at the automatic front doors of the Airden Market with a wooden sign and a hammer. With a few good whacks, he sunk the stake six inches into the frosty grass. He stepped back, gave it a nod, slung the hammer over his shoulder, and returned it to the shed behind the market. The sign didn't catch too many glances at first. Such a shame for a sign with an opportunistic notice. It read, Community Garden Plots Available. Eight plots at 15 by 20 feet each. $50 per plot per season starting April 22nd. First come, first served. Inquire in the Airden Market. Al sauntered out of the Airden Cafe around 9 a.m. His belly was full of his usual number three special with eggs over easy, extra crispy bacon, and an English muffin. The best toast to soak up yolk, he would say. He left half a cup of coffee on the table with a dollar underneath it. Also his usual, but the ladies at the cafe didn't really expect much from him besides hearing about the way things should be done. No one really expected much from him anymore. He took his usual shortcut through the market parking lot and saw the sign. A garden, Al exclaimed as he swung his fist across his chest and stomped his foot. Sweet willikers, my day has come. I'll be the best gardener in there. I'll teach them all how to grow everything just right and keep away the bugs and weeds and, and I better get my plot. His pace quickened to a step only seen after his sports team won a game or ice cream was on sale. Al was the first person to claim a spot in the community garden. He whistled as he walked the last three blocks to his apartment. Section break. <laughs> After a leisurely breakfast at home, William and Edith shuffled arm in arm toward the automatic doors of the marketplace. Even at 73 years old, Edith always looked around for something new or unusual. Curiosity keeps me spry, she would say. Willie, she shouted, slapping her free hand on his chest. A community garden. Sweetheart, we could spend the summer in a garden together. We could grow all the vegetables we used to grow when we had our first house. Let's get a plot. What do you say? Well, Angel Pie, I think that sounds mighty swell. I always love seeing your face after you scratch under your nose with soil-laden hands, William answered. Oh, you, Edith blushed. She loved how he always noticed the little things. Let's do it. Then when the grandkids come to visit, we can show them where food really comes from. William pulled her arm a little closer to his body. He loved her ideas. Such and break. Ricky raced into the parking lot of Airden Market during his lunch break. Come on, come on, sloth man. Don't you know I'm in a hurry? He honked. Oh, no, you don't, geezer breath. My spot. He gunned it into one of the only close spots next to the front doors. Ha <laughs> ha, eat that. Before exiting his car, he checked his hair and teeth in the rearview mirror. Then he made sure the cuffs of his pressed slacks were not tucked into his leather shoes. 
Looking good, Richard Johnson, the 17th. Looking good. Just got to grab some lunch for the most important person in my life. Moi. Ricky walked like he was in a hurry, but not too fast. He glanced around to see if anyone noticed how debonair he was, but he would instantly shift his eyes if they met another's. Being so caught up in what other people might be thinking, he almost ran into the sign. Watch where you're... Hey, wait a minute. A garden? Hmm. He paused in front of the sign with his head slightly Hollywood cocked. Ricky rubbed his smooth chin and thought, I'll surprise Cassie with a garden plot. Then everyone will think I'm a good husband. People will see that our marriage is solid and meaningful because we do things together. Yes, I will prove it. Ricky made sure that no one else he knew was on the list. Then he signed up for a plot for his new bride and himself. Section break. Charisse pulled into the lot, belting, I want to dance with somebody, as Whitney blasted through the radio. If you're going to sing it, make sure they hear you, she would say. People heard her all right, even with her windows up. She winked at a little girl watching in awe as she stepped out of her car. Woo! She let out a breath. Come on, air to market. Please have the exotic ingredients I need for next week's specials. I'm ready to put some pizzazz in this town. She walked purposely towards the front door as dozens of box braids bounced between her shoulder blades. Hey, chef, greeted. Great specials last week, a woman called to her. Ooh, girl, I saw you in almost every night, Charisse exclaimed. Best joint in town, chef. Keep it up, the woman answered. You know I will. Thanks for your patronage, Charisse bowed and looked up just in time to see the sign. Say what? A garden plot? This might be the answer to my exotic flavor prayers. Ooh, baby, sign me up. Section break. After his afternoon nap... Zephyr pulled into the Airden Market lot. He had the munchies. As he opened the door of his custom conversion van, a cloud of smoke escaped with him. Wow, man, the sun! He squinted behind his tiny sunglasses. Sup, sun? I haven't seen you for, like, all winter. Welcome back. <laughs> he rolled out his signature laugh. Zephyr walked to the beat of the fish song stuck in his head. He did a couple twirls as the song beckoned a more grandeur dance move. His blonde dreadlocks whacked him in the face at the end of each twirl. Ta, watch it, dudes, he scolded them. He stopped briefly to pull a quick air guitar solo, and when he looked up, he saw the sign. Dude, a community garden? I could take some naps in the dirt and grow my own munchies. Oh, man, this is such awesomeness. Section break. Dr. Lee Wong locked her car in the market lot and moved briskly towards the front doors. Ah, I think it's Ahi Rose today. Good energy, she nodded. Night shift ER doctors need good energy. Though she was always in a hurry, her eye for detail in any situation was as sharp as it was on the hospital floor. Preparation is key for success, was one of her mottos. It was no surprise she noticed the sign. First, as if it was out of place. Second, for closer examination. She stopped in her tracks and let out a sigh. 
garden. I need a garden. I need to sit in the earth. I need to just be for once. I will get a plot. Lee was the sixth person to sign up for a plot in the community garden. Section break. Fixing to grab a couple snacks from the deli before his shift at the Airden Cocktail Lounge, Jared pulled into the marketplace. OMG, please don't tell me I wore this shirt last Sunday. Jer, two Sundays in a row, I have to change. Wait, Siri, what day is it? He asked his watch. It's Monday, March 21st. Saved, he chirped. Thanks, Siri. He checked his rearview mirror. Oh, these ginger locks are all in place. Okay, man of my dreams, I dare you to walk in my bar tonight. He winked at his reflection and stepped out of his car. He sauntered toward the market doors, smiling at each passerby. As he approached, he noticed the sign was a little crooked. While shifting it slightly with his left hand, he read the words. A community garden? Like growing vegetables in the dirt? Ew. He discussed this with the sign. So you mean like I can have my own plot and plant living things and watch them grow and eat them? You know, my Auntie Phoebe had a garden. She was always super happy in there. I think she lived to be like a hundred or something. Hmm, this might be a great new hobby for me. I can work in the garden after I close the lounge. Then I won't get sunspots on this delicate skin. And it will for sure keep me out of after parties. He shifted to scold himself. No partying anymore, Jer. Those days are over. Your life is worth more than that. He shifted back to the sign. Thank you, sign. I'm going to be a gardener. He flutter clapped and strode to the counter to claim his plot. Section break. This is the last one. <sighs> Maria waited until dark before walking to the market. She wanted to go unrecognized as she slunk through the streets, wearing large, slightly tinted glasses and a headscarf. What if he was out there looking for her? What if he sent his men to look for her? No. She had fled nearly 2,000 miles from that Mexican city to get away from him forever. Miguel would never find her here, and she would do everything in her diminished power to make sure that was true. Since she always walked covered up with her head down, nobody ever saw her stunning beauty. Not her long, dark hair or her hypnotizing brown eyes, and never the light that once twinkled in them. As she approached the front doors of the marketplace, a car's headlights illuminated the sign and it caught her eye. A garden plot, she whispered. Yes, a place to hide. Maria signed up under a different last name. Just minutes after she did, a young man walked out of the marketplace, wiggled the sign, pulled it up, and took it to the back lot by the maintenance shed. The sign completed its job for the year. Oh, darling, quite frankly, I'm intrigued. Thanks. What chapter do I come in? Uh, <laughs> what chapter do you come in? Let's see, Vive. Um, oh, number 12. Number 12. Good lord. The people have to wait 12 chapters till they get to meet me in your story. Well, at least they get to meet me now. How can a person get a copy of this book anyway? Um, yeah, you can just go to my website. 
CopperHarborVitality.com. You can order online or they'll they'll be around Copper Harbor, probably the Laughing Loon and Grandpa's Barn. Also, I am starting a gallery um, right behind the Brickside Brewery where I will be selling my books as well. Um, that will open in July. So those are all places to get a copy, at least that I know of right now. Amanda, what do you like to do here for fun? In Copper Harbor? Oh my gosh. Most of my days I spend with my little man. So we like to go to the lake and throw rocks together. Watch the waves. He's so, It's so fun to watch him watch the waves. He's really into every single one that comes in. It's almost as mesmerizing for me to watch him as it is for him to watch, I think. But yeah, uh, besides that, I love snowboarding, snowshoeing, cross-country skiing in the winter, um, ice skating when it warrants ice skating. That is always fun. Um, in the summertime, I love riding my mountain bike, working on the house, uh, playing my djembe and singing songs, mm, making sourdough bread, <laughs> even if I'm not, I'm not even eating sourdough bread right now, but Pity. man, I still like to make it. Um, just, yeah, going out in the woods and looking at what's growing. I really am into that. What kind of plants are medicinal or edible? Uh, I still have a plot in the community garden, so I love going over there and watching my babies grow there. Yeah, there's lots to do here. Paddle in my kayak, hang out with my man, hang out with my friends. It's never-ending, never-ending fun, I guess. All right, now the million-dollar question. Is there anything you would like to tell the world? Oh, sure. <laughs> There's lots. Um, don't be afraid to cry. Um, practice compassion instead of comparison to others and yourself. And believe in yourself. We are each here for a reason. And... The more we can find that and nurture it, the happier we are and the more energy we have. It's a pretty beautiful thing. Splendid. Amanda, thank you for joining us for today's episode. I don't I don't have to do the editing, do I? <laughs> oh my god, no, you don't. I'll I'll do that part. Oh, excellent. <laughs> I guess I'll just do the sign-off lines and invite you, the listener, to reach out with any questions you might have for Amanda or past guests or me. <laughs> I'm available. Oh, you can do that right at com. And seriously, feel free to reach out. Amanda understands the importance of excellent customer service. Yeah. Till next time, get your copy of In the Dirt. You won't find me in the garden, but you'll find me in the dirt. <laughs> I slay me. Yes, yes. Now, be good to yourself. Ta-ta. Phew. Well, I think I came off rather nicely, don't you? You did, Vive. Great job. 
I don't think anyone would expect that you're the villain. Bum bum da 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 da